Ag State of Mind, episode 126. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today, we go to the great state of Indiana and talk to my friend, Abby Heidenreich. Abby is an extension agent with Purdue University. A really cool thing happened with Abby in the fact that her and Carrie actually talked at FFA National Convention while Carrie and Levi were out there this past fall. Um, she saw their booth on farm stress and stopped and talked to her found out a little bit about what they were doing, and then obviously she talked about the podcast, and Abby had known about the podcast, and I got her contact info, and we wanted to have a podcast together. And uh, let me tell you, Purdue's doing some really cool, cutting-edge stuff on farm stress. We talk a little bit about that today. We talk about the challenges that folks in agriculture face when it comes to talking about mental health. Just a really, really great conversation with Abby. Very excited for her, excited to connect with her, and excited for you all to hear about her. So, all right, before we get started, though, I would encourage every one of you to go out, leave us a review on iTunes. I would greatly appreciate it. I'd greatly appreciate any kind of feedback. It doesn't even have to be on iTunes. You can just send me a DM on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you guys access us on social media and Let's talk. Let's have a conversation about this podcast, about farm stress, about all the things mental health, health related. Uh, I'd love to hear from each and every one of you. So, all right. Appreciate you guys. And here we go with the podcast with Abby Heidenreich of Purdue University Extension. All right. Abby Heidenreich, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. How are you this evening? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Good, good. You know, this for for you to come on here is really special for me because my wife is the person who contacted you. We saw each other or she saw you at FFA National Convention where she was at with my son. They were solo without their chapter. So it was really cool because that's never really happened before. And, you know, Carrie always is kind of behind the scenes in the with the podcast, never really contributing directly, but, you know, doing so many things that help me do what I do. It's been, it was, it's just, this is a really cool opportunity. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of fun because uh, usually I'm the one doing the interviewing for the podcast that we have. So it's kind of fun to be on the other side of the table tonight. Isn't it fun? I, I was, I was talking to a fellow podcaster earlier last week, I think, and that's one of my favorite things to do because being a podcast host, I mean, it's not, I shouldn't say it's stressful. You feel like you have to be the one who's on and it's on to you to keep the conversation flowing. Right. But so right. whenever you're on the other side of that, it's really cool. Yeah. I'm feeling super relaxed right now. Heck, I could prop my feet up and just let you... <laughs> 
take the conversation. I don't have to do anything. I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about you, about what you do, your background, and then we'll just kind of dive into all the things that are happening with regards to your work. Yeah, absolutely. So to start at the beginning, I grew up on a grain farm in Southern Indiana. So my family farms in Princeton and it's a couple generation family farm. My dad has farmed since his younger days and his father, my grandfather died of a heart attack in 1991, which is before I was born, which is relevant later on in the story, I guess. But I grew up on that grain farm, medium-sized grain farm, was in 4-H and FFA, was the president of many clubs in my FFA chapter. I went to uh, Southern Illinois University Carbondale for a degree in ag business. That's not very far from me. Yeah, yeah. I went on to do a master's at Auburn University in agri-science education. So that led to a career in extension where... I was hired in Orange County, Indiana by Purdue Extension, and I have been there ever since and have loved every minute of it. I am a agriculture and natural resources extension educator. I'm also the county extension director for Orange County and did a brief stint as a split position with being a part 4-H educator as well. So I've done a lot, of, we're in a, a lot of different hats in the extension world. But here in the last couple of years, as extension educators, we're really encouraged to join teams. And we have statewide teams that are educators across the state who work towards a common goal in a certain topic area. And there's these teams for like land leasing and we put together programs on land leases. There's a farm management focus group. There's women in ag team. There's the beef team, like all these different topics. Well. In 2018, we started the farm stress team, Mm -hmm. which has then kind of spiraled and has really blown up in a really good way. And I got interested because I grew up on a farm, because I've seen a lot of, you know, stresses and things like that. But I also personally deal with anxiety, um, something that I really came to terms with when I was in grad school and started, you know, seeking help for. So that kind of has come full circle for me, but also growing up on a farm, you know, I said, my grandfather died of a heart attack. He was in his early Mm fifties when he died and it wasn't his first heart attack. So the stress of the farm played a huge role in his death. So I was able to then see that play out through my father and see some of the changes that my family had to make in order to prevent that from happening again. So it's been always an interesting kind of, kind of a journey to see unfold in my personal life. So that kind of really pushed me to become a big part of the farm stress team. I am a very passionate person. When I jump in with something, I usually jump in with both feet and I jumped into this farm stress thing with both feet and I haven't looked back. Uh, We now have a podcast, Tools for Today's Farmer podcast, and that's a farm stress-centered podcast. And then I also work with a lot of promotion and education and awareness 
for the farm stress team. We have a couple programs that we deliver. We've been trained in some of these different topics, but overall just getting the message out there of mental health awareness, reducing stigma and talking about stress, talking about anxiety, depression, all of those things that fall under the mental health umbrella. So it's been really cool. Actually today I got to go to the Indiana State House and talk on behalf of the farm stress team at the uh, Indiana Rural Caucus that they had a, a topic day on mental health. So that's made possible through one of the grants that we got through Indiana State Department of Ag. So it's kind of been a nice progression of events that have led me to where I am today, but it's been really awesome to see people start to open up about mental health. Whereas, you know, when we started this team in 2018, you bring up mental health and you just get deer in the headlights and, you know, silence. Whereas now it's able to be talked about, which is progress. So that's a very common year, I feel like, for stuff to start 2018. I feel like that was kind of when the movement started. What's your take on why it started then? I mean, we all started about the same time, right? But what do you think, what do you think it was about that year or not necessarily that year, but the years leading up to it. I have my own idea, but I'm just curious to see what your thoughts on that are. You know, I think it's, I think it's a couple different things that kind of all came together in a perfect storm to really kind of wake things up. But I think, you know, we had a recession in 08. We had a couple of weather-related events that really affected stress levels of farmers. And then, you know, we've had a couple of things since then and right around that, you know, 13, 14, 15 timeframe that I think kind of culminated a lot of stress and maybe there was, you know, some kind of a tipping point where somebody said, you know what, I'm going to talk about it and Mm -hmm. I don't care what people think, Mm -hmm. or, you know, I don't know exactly what it was to put a pin on it, but I think there was several things that came to, to fruition there together. But, you know, for it to be taking off as much as it has in multiple states and multiple areas around the country, I think, you know, there's, there's something that had to happen there. What's, what's your, your take on that? It's very similar. So, yeah, I think you're right. So for me, I'm one of the lucky few who was a senior in high school whenever 9-11 happened. I graduated college in 08 at the, when the recession was hitting. Now I'm raising kids during the pandemic. Yeah. So I'm in that, ver- that narrow window of people who have experienced these things, vi- these, these factors very intensely and very like up in my face, right? Yeah. But in, in regards to this, um, we had, for, for me as, as a cattle producer, 2014 was amazing, right? We had $1,500 steers. Uh, you could sell a way cow for more than you bought her for, more than likely. Just things were incredible. Then, boom, they weren't. 
the bottom dropped out of it in 25 in fall of 2015. And, you know, we're seeing, and I'm was victim to it as well. I said on, I, I leveraged myself on some debt that I probably obviously shouldn't have. And, you know, it kind of bit me a little bit and that was super stressful. It's still stressful for me, you know, to try and work through, you know, so I think people were, we experienced a lot of good times and then all of a sudden, I think all of us, that 2018, 2019, you know, cattle market was in the tank. Corn and beans were in the tank. Hog market was terrible. It was just a time where everybody was really struggling. And we, it, we all, I think, just reached that kind of like, all right, we got to do something, right? Do you think there's also a, a generational component to that where you know, our generation has dealt with so many of those in-your-face milestones that we finally got to be that adult group and was ready to take over the next generation of the family farm. And we said, hey, whoa, before we do this, we need to talk about some things because there's some messed up stuff I've seen in my life. And Uh, it's getting crazier. I think you're right. There's a huge generational component to it. And I think a big part of it is the factor of, millennials coming into it. One of my favorite things to study is sociology. Uh, In the group, people, you know, which is funny because I have a mental health podcast, you would think I would be more interested in psychology. Oh yeah, no. I I love sociology. I love the study of people in groups and I love characteristics of generations. Like I'm a huge nerd about it. And I, I really think the emergence of millennials into the workforce and especially in agriculture, when we, they weren't, the thing that about millennials, and I'm on person who's on the cusp of the generation. I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in that 78 to 85 when I was born. Um, so I, I don't really fit into either generation, but the thing that is really stands out to me about millennials is they aren't afraid to talk about things. They aren't afraid to have the hard conversations. And now that, and then with the advance of social media, the way that it's been, you know, they're using that as a tool to leverage uh, what they want to speak out against or not out necessarily, but speak up for. I think it was, again, it was kind of just this perfect storm of the right people coming at the, don't want to say at the right time, but at the needed time. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, you know, you have that generation that is using a lot of social media and technology and things and that group, that generation finally got to the age of, Hey, we could really do something with this and decided to do something with it. So using the platforms that you had, you know, that's you kind of at that 2018, 2017 kind of area in time had, you know, all of these different things getting shared on Facebook or going viral. You had all kinds of stuff going viral. Whereas, you know, it wasn't just an email chain that your uncle sent you and (laughs) forward to 10 people if, or anything like that. It was something that was really relatable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I, I'm very thankful for all that has happened, all the people. And it's funny because for a long time, I think people were in their bubbles doing this thing, right? And now here a couple of years later, especially, and again, this is, it goes back to, you know, kind of the pandemic being, 
it was terrible or it is terrible. Unfortunately, we're still in the midst of it two years later, but it's, there are good things that come out of it. And the fact that we're all feel so much more comfortable to connect virtually, I think that's going to be kind of a disruptor in the way we live and communicate going forward. Yeah, it's definitely made a big change in how people interact in rural communities because Mm -hmm. I think specifically in the area that I work right now, we've had a horrible time with broadband access. And there is literally like, there's no cell signal in my house. I have to use Wi-Fi to make a phone call. And we had a big disconnect with access to this technology that was becoming necessary very quickly. So, you know, our community has had to adapt and really speed up the technology advancements that needed to be made in order to basically just survive survive right yeah and you know we had oh man you know coming into 2020 you know we all had big plans (laughs) and that the pandemic just tore them apart but I think something that really pushed mental health to the front lines was the pandemic because so many people started talking about it because it was so becoming so real and you couldn't ignore it anymore. You know, I think you were stuck at home with all these people in your house that are driving you nuts and you can't get out and you can't ignore the elephant in the room anymore. Yeah. You may have been able to ignore it when you could go out to the barn or you could go to the parts counter or you could go somewhere and you could blow off some steam, but you can't ignore it when you're quarantined with it. And I think that really brought it out of a lot of people. And I had some really good conversations with farmers that kind of spoke to that, that effect of, you know, how the pandemic shifted the social network of farmers. Right. You know, and I say this, every talk I give, I include this, this statistic, or it's a, actually findings from a meta-analysis that was talking about the effects that social isolation can have. And it can be as harmful as smoking a pack and a half of cigarettes a day and having an alcohol use disorder and obesity. Like, yeah, it's it's all shown, and and, and when, when we talk about a meta analysis, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with what a meta analysis is, but some people may not be. A meta analysis is a study of studies, if you will. So, like, takes the findings from several different studies and basically lumps them into one. Uh, so it's very statistically significant data, and. It shows how much that social isolation can be harmful to our health. And that was, that was done before the pandemic. So people in rural areas, we already live a socially isolated lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. Some, and really the only things that brought us together were blogging, events, uh, meetings, church uh, gatherings, county fairs, all that stuff was gone for, uh, I mean, even a solid year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a whole other soapbox that I could get on within that of, you know, the social interactions of farmers 
as technology has progressed, but to go back to kind of recognizing the effects of COVID on their social networks was, I had farmers come into me saying, you know, I didn't realize how much I needed that trip to the dealership. I didn't realize how much I needed to go to that ball game on Friday night. I didn't realize that those were really necessary de-stressors for me in my everyday life. Because when you spend eight to 10 hours in a tractor cab by yourself, you get wound pretty tight without much effort. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to be able to go get something from town, go get something for lunch, go run to the park store, do something, just get away from it for a second. I had a lot of guys that said, you know, I didn't realize how important we had that no idea. Was. We had no idea. Yeah. And, and, and that was good. Like, and what good times those were to be able to take those little things for granted. Right. I guarantee we'll never do that again. Never we'll never again. take that stuff for granted. <laughs> I know I won't. I mean, no, it's just, not. it was a crazy, crazy time. And, you know, but I also, but I think, I also think maybe it was necessary. Maybe it was necessary for us to realize how important those small little things are, because like I just said, they're very easy to take for granted um, mm -hmm. until they're gone. And then they're gone and you're still like, you don't know how to deal with it. I think it's, to me, it shows how important those little things are. And it goes all the way back to the topic of self-care, whatever self-care looks like for you. Right. How important that is to your overall health. Definitely. Cause that's the, that's the big thing with the, the popularity of the topic of mental health. Everybody says self-care, self-care is this self-care is that self-care is whatever it needs to be for you. <laughs> if you are a very social person, self-care may be going to a ball game and talking to literally everyone in your town. If you are not, Self-care may look like staying home from the ball game. You know, it's, it's whatever it is that you need in order to recharge those batteries. And I think, you know, if nothing else, the pandemic allowed people a lot of time for self-examination that maybe they hadn't mm -hmm. made time for before, you know, good, bad, or otherwise, I think we had a lot of time to sit and really think about why is this driving me nuts? Why am I so irritable right now? What do I need? What's my body telling me? What's my brain telling me? And how can I fix it within the parameters that I have? You know, we've done that for our animals for years. <laughs> we have looked at our livestock and tried to figure out what they need and provide that for them the best of our ability. It's a lot harder to shift that microscope over to yourself and try and do the same Run yeah, it's kind, of it's kind of terrifying, honestly. It is. It really is. Because, you know, the basis of it all, we're all animals. And mm -hmm. we all have basic needs. And we've studied the behavioral, you know, concepts of animals for years. So I think we need to really realize, and I think we have realized through this pandemic that, you know, we have some, some things that we need as well. And just pretending that doesn't exist is not enough anymore. Right. And right. never will be again. Right. So how do you, as the, as the person in your position, you know, to me, because extension agents are, you know, they're kind of that conduit from the university that is, you know, on the cutting edge, doing all these things. And you're kind of the conduit of that to the producer 
and to the youth as well. How do you help producers wrap their mind around that idea of self-care, that concept of self-care? Because it's something that you just said it yourself. We have totally not even considered in any shape or form for so long. And now we're seeing how important it is. How do you go about trying to shift that mindset or, or I guess not necessarily shift that mindset, but just, you know, kind of put a bug in the ear of producers? Oh, absolutely. I think to kind of answer that, I have to go back and, and talk a little bit about where things were going before the pandemic. The trend of social networks of farmers and ranchers and people in rural communities through extension, you know, back in the day, whatever the day is in your generation, back in the day, people came to the extension meetings, whatever program was going on, they came to the programs to see their fellow farmers, to get the news update, to get the social update of the farming community, to see what that farmer in the next county is, is doing, what he's up to, how How's it going? How's your family? All that stuff. It was a good social time as well as an informational and educational time. With the increase of social media and technology, we have seen just continuous drops in participation in programs. And I firmly believe, I will argue this in court, I don't even know, <laughs> that social media has enabled people to falsely satisfy their need for social stimulation. Yes. I firmly believe that because while every farmer may not have a Facebook account, his wife does, and he's logged into it on his phone, he's logged into his wife's account and he will sit there and scroll. We have it with TikTok now. You know, you sit in the same room as somebody and you scroll through all this, this information, but that news feed of information allows people to get the, the information that they were going for in these social interactions by coming to programs without having to go anywhere, hmm. without having to talk to anybody. They say, oh, so-and-so just shared this information from a university across the country. It must be relevant to my field, you know, or even I don't need to go to that. I can just Google it. But at the same time, you're missing so much from that kind of interaction. You're not getting a full, well-rounded social interaction. You are getting a very topical and a very unhealthy, I might add, look into someone's life. And I think it has also contributed to some of the mental health struggles that we've seen that have kind of surmounted right prior to COVID. And then COVID happened. And we all weren't able to go on fancy vacations. Nobody was able to go to fancy dinners or flaunt their lifestyle on social media. <laughs> Everybody was stuck at home. Everybody in one way, shape or form had somewhat of a level playing field in regards to social media. But I think, you know, from an extension standpoint, that's something that we are trying to combat from a professional side. How do we get people to these programs knowing all of this is happening, knowing they can Google things, 
yeah, you can Google something and you may find similar information, but do you know how to Google it? Do you know how to research it? Do you know the sources that you're getting? And do you know the full story of that research study? You know, there's different components of information that we can bring in from an extension standpoint and from the university standpoint that you can't get just from Googling something. There's a compendium of information that is more within reach through extension than it is through just typing in a basic Google search. And I think, you know, we're trying to come up with different ways to engage people, you know, mm -hmm. finding ways to have meetings via Zoom. Nobody liked Zoom meetings in the farming community, at least. I know there were some, some communities that had great luck with Zoom meetings. I had awful luck <laughs> with Zoom meetings, partially because of the broadband. Broadband, right. Yep. <laughs> partially because I have a group of farmers that still have flip phones yep. and don't text or and they don't have a voicemail box set up. So, you know, I had to figure out, you know, doing a hybrid program worked for a little while. Some people were able to do Zoom. Some people wanted to come in person. That's great. So doing a hybrid model kind of worked for a little while there, but we're getting to this point where I just had all these guys that said, I just want to get together. I just yeah. want to get together and do something. Yeah. So yeah. we would have programs outside. We had a couple cattlemen's programs where we would go to somebody's farm and, you know, sit on straw bales, socially distance, right. Right. following yeah. all the rules, right. but allowing them to get together and have some of that social interaction in a healthy way. And I think to kind of, you know, firmly stand on my soapbox too, we pay attention to our livestock. We pay attention to their behaviors and how they're interacting with each other. We have to be just as careful with ourselves and how we interact with our neighbors. It takes more than a like on a picture of your neighbor's daughter's kindergarten award to make sure that they know you're there for them. It takes more than that. It takes more than a like or a share to do that. You have to reach out, have a conversation. You have to be able to connect with them on a personal level that has nothing to do with, you know, social media. If I could, oh my gosh, you know, the number of people that go through and wish you a happy birthday on Facebook is nothing compared to when you actually get a phone call. Mm. You actually see someone who went out of their way to do something nice for you doesn't it make you feel so much better? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, why are we relying so much on a, a, uh, interface, mm, mm -hmm. you know, to get some of the, those social interactions that we should be getting in person and that are so important to each other. You know, I think it comes down to when you're really struggling with something, you feel like you're so alone it does. It takes more than a like on Facebook. It takes more than, you know, what's easy. And we have to get back to that yes. in our farming communities, in our rural communities of checking on each other. Like you check on your livestock. It's, you know, when you drive down the road to check on your cows and you pass that house that you know has an older couple in it and you know they don't have a ton of visitors, my gosh, how hard would it be to stop and say, hey, and you never know what somebody's going through. You never know you never how know. long it's been since somebody's yep. reached out to them and really asked how they're doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. And, you know, for me, something that I noticed is speaking wise, like as far as speaking at events and things, you know, I just started that barely whenever the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. And then it was kind of, it was there and then it was gone. And then we started doing these virtual things. And the thing that I noticed that's the biggest difference, you know, you can sit in front and do a Zoom thing, do it virtually, and the message can get across, but it's those interactions outside of the talks, outside of the classes, outside of the presentations that make a difference. It's the old guy who's silently been struggling with with whatever it may be with his mental health not just mental health just family issues whatever and he comes up and one-on-one talks to you and you know you feel that deep deep connection to someone that's what was missing that's the things that you know no matter how creative we can get with these this virtual interface we need that face to face for having those real deep connections. And I, I'm I'm going to give a shout out to my friend Ben uh, Ben Gotchel. He was one of the first guests on this podcast probably two years ago, and uh, he sent me a, an article talking about this very thing about how we have come to rely. We think we're getting that interaction that we need from social media, when in fact we're not really it's, 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 you know, it's a house of cards, basically. Mm-hmm. It's, it's smoke and mirrors, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use for it. It's not real. You know, it's a Fugazi. Mm-hmm. It, it, we, we feel like we're getting that connection, but it's, it's lacking the depth sure. and the depth is what we need in, in our interactions. Oh, definitely. And you know, there's a time and a place for social media. Absolutely. I don't want to sit here and for sure hate on social media because it allows people to connect in ways that maybe they haven't had. Before. I wouldn't have this podcast. It would not be what Absolutely. it is if you it know? wasn't for social media. So no, I, like I totally everything agree. Else, it's a double-edged sword and you yep. have to be careful how you use it. Yep. Um, all the tools that we have, all the tools literally out in the shed, you have to be careful how you use it or you'll end up getting hurt. And I think it's something that we have to consider that this technology is a tool Mm -hmm. and how we use it is just as important as what it's used for. The difference in the difference in the medicine and the poison is the dose. That actually was a, uh, a quote that was on my organic chemistry teacher's wall in college. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, I didn't think how applicable it would be to everything in my life. I was like, Oh, that's just for pharmacy. Right. Yeah. You know, but no, I mean, it's, it's applicable everywhere and it's very powerful to think about, you know, we, social media has absolutely been a blessing to me and my family and my life. It's made me reach out and connect with so many people, honestly, around the world, not even just in the country. I mean, everywhere. And you know, I wouldn't have those connections if it wasn't for that. It needs to be where you start, not where you end. You know, you can start those connections, but they need to be honed and formed and out all that done outside of social media. Yep, definitely. There's always, you know, there's a a season for everything. And there's 
a season for people in your lives. Contrary to what some people may think, there's a time in your life where you don't need to stay friends on Facebook with the people that you saw one time in college at something, you know, around vacation somewhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a time and a place, there's a season for everything. And I think we need to let natural seasons happen yes. with our, some of our relationships sometimes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Abby, I, gosh, the time flew past here for us. <laughs> it like, did. Yeah. I, I had no idea this is how deep we were into it because, <laughs> because we were, it was just such a, it's such a great conversation. And I feel you like, know, this is one of those things that I get so passionate about this because I've lived it, yes. you know, I've seen all this stuff and I see it, how it plays out. I took a rural sociology class in grad school that really opened my eyes to a lot of you know, the mannerisms of people and, and how, especially rural communities are put together and the basis that a lot of our traditions are set on. And it just has really opened my eyes and my mind to a lot of the components of mental health and agriculture and some of those factors of, and stressors that are so unique and specific to agriculture that a lot of people don't understand them. And that's why it's so important for us to talk about them because yes. there's already a gap of knowledge between the consumer public and farmers. We know that exists. Literally everyone knows that exists. We can't let that happen again mm -mm. with ourselves and our mental health. Right. You know, we can't have a mental health knowledge gap in it's too important. It's too vital. Yeah. We have to continue talking about it and learning about it. Yeah. And you know, everybody, and it's the thing about, this is a conversation for everybody to have. You know, it's not just for, it's not exclusive yeah. whatsoever. It's for young and old, big and small, as far as production size, you know, heck it's even for consumer and producer to have. If this yeah. is something we can maybe connect with consumers on and yeah you know, and understand one another maybe a little bit better because of this, because maybe we share some common ground with this. I just think, I mean, it opens up this enormous uh, vault of opportunities for connection all across the board. Oh, definitely. And you know, you don't have to have a mental health issue to mm -mm. talk about it. No. And you don't have to have perfect mental health to talk about it. You know, everybody's on. I'm spectrum. here to prove that. I mean, right? I, it's every day is a is a challenge for me. You know, anybody that claims they don't have a mental health issue is not looking hard enough. Yeah, because that, yep. <laughs> or denying it in some mm -hmm. way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. because there is always something going on. Yes, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, nope. I think that's what we've come to terms with as a a group. Um, a collective industry, at least yeah. starting to come to terms. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. You know, we got a lot of work to do, you know, unfortunately. I, you know, just when I think like, oh, man, this is really taking off. This is really doing well. We're getting out ahead of this. I see somewhere about someone dying by suicide yep. in a rural community. And it's just like, oh, yep. it's still real. Still real. It's yeah. And, you know, that's what we talk about as a team is the goals of our team is to ultimately reduce the number of farm suicides and farm accidents that, you know, may have been suicides. 
but you know, one thing that we have to keep reminding ourselves is, yeah, we're doing all this work. If we prevent one, it's worth yep. it. Absolutely. If we change one person's life, we could work our tails off for the rest of our lives and it would still be worth it. Still worth it. And that's the beautiful thing about it. You know, it's not, it's not a numbers thing. It's not a, you know, you don't have to rack up this quota of, you know, this is how many people we've helped and how many lives we've changed. No, it just doesn't matter, you know. And even if it's, even if it's you, you save. Even if it's you, I mean, that's enough. have impactful conversations and to be able to go places and talk with people who have maybe that light bulb moment of, oh, huh, maybe I hadn't thought about it that way. Or, you know, it's enough even for me sometimes having a booth somewhere and you've got all these farm families walking by and they start elbowing each other, pointing and saying, hey, you need to go talk to her. You need to go do this or that. And you know what? If that's if that's the push they needed to say, oh, is it that obvious? Or, you know, <laughs> on a serious level, as joking wow, as they yeah. seem, just, uh, just that is even enough for me sometimes. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really powerful to think about because may not be the ones who even know. I mean, that may be the ones around us who obviously feel it. But they're maybe the ones that need to you know, like you say, give that push to somebody at yeah. that sees your your booth at a farm show or something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. really that's really powerful. Even just to be a conversation starter, that makes it worth it. Yeah. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I feel <laughs> like it's one that could go all night long. If oh yeah, we could talk I mean, for hours. <laughs> and, uh, I think we're we are equally passionate about this, um, and that's a good thing because it takes people of passion to make difference. And I hope that you and I are doing that. And yes. you know, like I say, if one person hears this and it matters to them, it's all worth it, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's and, and I, let us know or don't. It's up to yeah, you. But, whatever. Uh, yeah. It's cool. Also, if you let us know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But you don't have to. <laughs> Speaking of which, how do people reach out to you if they want to get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. Our website is extension.purdue.edu slash farm stress. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. If you're thinking about it, extension.purdue.edu slash farm stress. That has our website and that has links to our Facebook page, our podcast. It has links to resources if you're in search of help. It also has some articles and has our upcoming events, programs that we're going to be at and things we've got going on maybe near you. Cool. Well, this has been a pleasure, you know. Absolutely. It's been so fun. I'm so thankful for the opportunity that you and I had to connect. I'm thankful that... Well, thankful for Carrie. Thankful for Carrie. I was just going to say that, like, you know, we had to make some special concessions for uh, Levi to go to FFA this year, but we didn't want him to miss out. Right. You know, we didn't want him to miss out two years in a row of, you know, our chapter didn't go, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but we didn't want that to stand in his way of going. And fortunately, we were in a position where we could go. And what a cool experience. And Oh, you know, definitely. Yeah, you know, we gained a friendship over it. So absolutely. And that's yeah. what it's all about, right? It is. Absolutely. So well, cool. Well, I appreciate you. Again, 
everybody feel free to reach out to either one of us regarding this conversation because you know it takes us all mm-hmm. so all right well thank you very much abby and i look thank forward you. to continuing this conversation with you absolutely thanks for listening to ag state of mind we hope this episode has encouraged you be sure to follow us on twitter facebook and instagram at ag state of mind and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on apple podcasts stitcher or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.